Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. What's up, friends? Good morning, friends. Do you think Michael Lombardi, as we say hi, VSIN, the Sports Betting Network? I'm Patrick Maher. He, of course, is Michael Lombardi. Do you think your friend, and it is your friend, do you think Jim Nance was driving around one day and it just hit him inspirationally? Hello, friends. And now it's become synonymous. It's become his thing, but maybe it just kind of came to him. It seems pretty basic, but it works for him. You know, I I think he is certainly a wordsmith, and I think it comes to him naturally. So, you know, I I think it was probably born out of the moment of creativity. Uh, Things like that don't necessarily happen with a lot of thought. They just just go. I mean, when Brent Musburger uttered those great words, you were looking live, uh, that was because it was the first time in television history that a pregame show went live. So it made sense. And so Nance, who thinks everybody is his friend and certainly behaves that way, <laughs> he wants to say hello to friends. <laughs> You're right about that. So the, the inspirational stuff kind of subconsciously. But it is, it's, it's so funny because whenever you talk about Jim Nance, who's one of our great broadcasters of our generation, of course, Brent Musburger, a legend, but everybody just says immediately, hello, friends. And that's the thing. Hello, friends. And it, it works for golf. There's no, there's no better time for, than golf. How are we feeling this morning? We feel great. I mean, he engages you into this wonderful sport and uh, and being in, in that incredible butler cabin. I, I think it just becomes, we feel like we are part of it. And it is a friendship, a kindred a spirit of sort to, to watch this great event unfold. And, you know, yesterday we were able to see you know, a little bit of Scotty Scheffler having, you know, down the stretch on, on the second nine struggling, which we weren't expecting to make this thing a little tighter going into Sunday. Yeah, Scheffler with a three-stroke lead heading into the final round there at Augusta. We'll get to that in just a second. Stephen Bond wanted us to start quickly with Tiger. So Tiger Michael Lombardi, mm-hmm. uh, career worse, 78 at Augusta National yesterday, five bogeys, two yeah. doubles. He could not make a putt. I mean, if he, he was yeah. three putting all over the place. So he started inside the top 20 yesterday on moving day. He very much moved outside the top 20. That's where Tiger sits yeah. now. I, I mean, what I thought was really uh, telling about Tiger was his, you know, most people would have said, okay, th- this has taken its toll on me. The cold weather, the, the undulations of walking, my body's beat up. I gave it an attempt but not Tiger. Tiger, you know, his last interview as he was leaving the course yesterday was, well, you know, I, I've got a chance to try to get back to even par. I mean, not win the tournament, but I want to play my best. And certainly he was struggling. You could see it in everything that he moved. And if you read Wright, Wright Thompson's column this, this morning or yesterday, you know, just the limp became even worse walking to his car as people were waiting for him to leave the course. So, you know, a tremendous achievement by him to at least play 
but you could see all the elements that we thought would occur have because this is a test of volume, not necessarily a test of, of one day. And putting three days together with a bad leg has certainly taken its toll. I don't know if it's purposeful, but the limp definitely becomes more pronounced on the bad shots, and he kind of gets strut <laughs> on the good shots. I'm sorry. I don't think I, it's I Kaiser Sose it. limp. I don't think it's a Kaiser Sose limp where, you know, remember when they when he walked out of the police station and the limp went away? <laughs> I, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's the usual suspect no, limp with so. Kaiser Sose, but I do think he kind of – that pain does get to him, and, and and it was, and he admitted it yesterday with the feel around. He couldn't get comfortable putting, but a lot of guys couldn't get p- comfortable putting. I mean, it was not a comfortable putting day for a lot of people. Uh, you know, Cam Thomas was sensational. He was able to battle through it. I mean, Cam Smith, but but you know, a lot of guys. I mean, Lowry struggled with short putts. I think the one thing, you know, the wind does affect that putting as much as anything, only because of the way the greens have dried out and how fast they're playing. I mean, right now, Patrick, we only have seven guys, seven players under par. Yep. Let's get into the meat of the betting. You just nailed it as far as Saturday, cold, windy, kind of a listless feel at Augusta National. The attire was, it resembled more Val Colorado than it did Augusta National. You had the beanies, you had people kind of bracing for the weather, of course, but you just nailed it. And I will say this, I talked about a showdown with two of the hottest players, the two hottest players on the planet right now. I mean, combined Cam Smith and Scotty Scheffler have won, you know, five tournaments this year. And they're going to they're going to have a duel today. 26 of the last 31 Masters, Michael, the champ has come from the final pairing. And that final pairing will, will consist of Scotty Scheffler, three stroke lead over Cam Smith. Cam Smith went out, went in in 34, went out in 34 yesterday. A 68 in those conditions was tremendous. Really impressive. And I, and I think today as we watch this, I think the first nine is going to tell the complete story. I can't believe Scheffler or Smith are going to fall apart on the, on the second nine, especially if the weather is more conducive to scoring. And, you know, typically in this tournament, the pressure mounts on the second nine because of 10, 11, and 12. But then you got 13 and 15 where you may be able to breathe some air and get some birdies. And Scheffler didn't do that yesterday. I mean, Scheffler struggled from 12 to 15, and then he and then he bogeys 18. So to me, I, I think if you're going to close this gap, I think Cameron Smith's got to close it on the first nine to give himself a chance on the second nine. And Scheffler, I think, has got to play really well on the fr- on the first nine because I think that second nine, you know, he knows you're going to give up. There's going to be scoring opportunities, particularly if the weather's there. But I, I think it'll be a dual match. I was disappointed in Lowry not being able to. M really made a comeback. I mean, he started getting his game going together. And, uh, you know, I, I just feel like it is really, can M get, can M get, jump in there? He's five shots behind. I think that's going to be challenging for M, Lowry, or Schwartzel, or any of those, or, you know, or Thomas. I think it's going to be hard for them to catch up. I'll give you the updated odds. Just seven players, as Michael mentioned, still under par. Sanjay M is five strokes back. Shane Lowry, seven back as we head into the final 18 at Augusta. You mentioned Scheffler, you know, the three putt on the par five 15. So he gave, he gave one back there. He also gave one back on that par three 12, but then he goes to 18 and he was leading by four, right? And then a wild drive into the trees. And you could tell it was going to be, it was going to be drama because they were digging through the debris, trying to find the ball found the ball, took the one stroke penalty on the drop and then ripped the, I think it was a three iron 240, Michael. I mean, these guys are, yeah. these guys are insane. What they do, they're wizards, 240 back of the green, two putts per bogey. And that's where he sits. Now the last player to give up a three shot lead or more heading into the final round at Augusta was 2011. And that was Rory. So we shall see. I'll give you the number and you tell me, will he hold it? Okay. So it's going to come down to Scheffler and Smith. We think Scotty Scheffler right now is a minus 230 favorite. If you want to bet Cam Smith to win the tournament, he's plus 200. So two to one. What would you do with those two if you were betting it? You know, I, I, I think I would. You got to take a shot at Cam at Cam Smith just because it gives you an opportunity to make some money on it. You know, but I, I didn't think watching the tournament until we got into the second nine that Scheffler was going to fold. I thought he had really good command of it. You know, he birdies, he he birdies the part, he birdies the uh, 
the, the second hole. He birdies the third hole, you know, and then six and eight. And he, you know, he does a great job on the first nine. But then that 12 to 15 gives me a little bit of worry. And 18, Patrick, I've never really, of all the times I've watched this tournament, you rarely see somebody at 18 which to me is one of the most complicated course holes in the course of the way cuz the way it sets up for television it really you can't tell but i've never seen anybody over to the left usually everybody leaks to the right or they're in the where bubba watson was so i guess to answer your question i would go with cam only because i think you have the better chance but but scheffler to me i think he'll play well today all right so here's the question i'll follow up with then do you want to see the clean cut texan win it or do you want to see the long-haired Aussie who looks like just hopped off the outback, doesn't even look like he can buy a beer because he looks so young. He's got the scruffy goatee. You know, the difference is Cam Smith's better off the tee, but maybe right now short game in the world. Cam, Cam Smith's probably – Scheffler's better off the tee. Cam Smith, short game better. Both are tremendous from the fairway. They got a distinctly different look, though. Who do you want to yeah. see win the Masters? You know, I mean, Lowry. About the I know who it is, Lowry. Well, I mean, I, I, I think you just kind of like it. You know, I, I, look, I, I think the best thing that's going to happen today for Scheffler is he won't have to constantly put that windbreaker on, that fleece. I mean, at some point, stop. I mean, either wear it or don't. Did, was that thing actually keeping him? It was driving Bill Berman crazy yesterday. I just want you to know. I thought Berman was going <laughs> to lose his mind that he was taking it on and off and taking it on and off. It's like <laughs> that either leave it on or take. I mean, it was annoying him to no end. But by Schwartzel's pants being too short, not to cuff down to the bottom. And and this guy doing, I mean, I was having a fashion conversation the whole day. <laughs> I, I, I just, I'm going to go with Scheffler. If I'm rooting for somebody, I'll root for Scheffler. Although, if Cam Smith is a, is a, uh, a, uh, a fan of the AFL and, and he's an Essendon fan, that might lead me in that direction because <laughs> yes, yes. I'm an Essendon fan. Michael's got connections out there. Who knew your next door neighbor was Giorgio Armani? Huh? We I mean, it was, uh, he was going crazy. He just, I mean, he, uh, uh, the pants were too short. I mean, really, Schwartzel's pants were way too short. I mean, like somebody, like, you can't go out there looking like that. I mean, really, I don't want to see your ankles the whole time. Yeah, I, I wear the same jacket. We, they, they should I, have I a know. fashion. They should have a fashion critic there. It would be. It would be interesting. R.I.P. Joan Rivers, or she could come back and do it. Remember, she was she was good at the yeah. red carpet. I, I'm sure they would really appreciate that at the Masters. How long do you think that would last? Uh, uh, excuse you, you, CBS. You're no longer covering the tournament. You know that would be the end of that. Now I don't know if Scheffler excites anybody because he's kind of kind of got that plain demeanor, but he is right now. He's the world's number one, and Cam Smith. Cam Smith won the players, you know, he won in Hawaii to start the year. I mean, this is a guy that is just all world. So I think the final pairing could be pretty exciting. I think you nailed it. It's going to be interesting. You can obviously lay whether or not Scheffler birdies the first. That first drive is just oh, I think it's going it's to be going a lot be. of tension. I think the first... I think the first nine is going to paint the picture because we know the pressure is on the second nine. But, uh, you know, if you're going to catch him, you got to, you got to have to make shots where he can't really beat you in shots. That's where you got to make up the distance. It's going to warm up at Augusta. We're just getting started here on the Lombardi line. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, of course, the NFL draft. When's it coming up here, Michael Lombardi? The NFL draft is coming up in like 18 days, right? Yeah. So it's here in Vegas. We're getting there. We're going to have gondolas. They're going to be shipping the guys to the stage there. Uh, down the street. We're going to have extensive coverage here on VSIN, of course. Matt Humans with a mock draft. Michael Lombardi, no mock, but he will give his draft analysis. Pritch is going to be on the scene, Michael Lombardi, for, former first rounder. I think you worked out, Mike Pritchard. I, I believe that was the case back in the I day. Think I, I, I think I did. You know, Colorado, when Mike was coming out, was, was really filled with a lot of pro players. Uh, it was really uh, a, a – they were able to go into Los Angeles and they, they were recruiting L.A. Continental Airline, the, the man who was running Continental Airline, was was really helping their football program. And Bill McCartney, uh, the hell former Michigan assistant, did a hell of a job rising, raising that program. And they were in the Big Eight at the time. And uh, it was really – there was a ton of great players. Chad Brown, uh, Mike Pick, Prickett, Mike Pickett. The uh, enemy. I mean, it was just – the enemy, you know, uh, 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 Stewart, the quarterback for the for the Steelers. Cordell. You know, Cordell Stewart. You know, there was a bunch of them. Uh, Westbrook, the wide receiver that went to the Washington. I mean, he's a bunch of really good players. Michael, also legendary sports broadcaster, voice of the Raiders. He does a great he, – he's so good on the call still. Uh, uh, Brent Musburger, he's going to give a draft betting guide in his best bets. Uh, so sign up today. Again, we're going to drop this draft guide. The betting on the draft has become – so much more prevalent. And for 19 bucks, you can get it all. vcin.com slash draft. It's vcin.com slash draft. So we got to. And remember, Michael's writing now for vcin. What what day are you kind of dropping the vcin.com articles uh, on Thursdays? The week? Yeah, usually on Thursdays, I'm going to uh, usually on Thursdays. It gives it kind of the week to get going to, to do something on draft week. I'm sure I'll do more than just one column during that week because there'll be so much information going out that we can kind of dispense with it in, in a more rapid fire fashion. Femi and I will do more podcasts that week as well. Find the podcast, GM Shuffle, wherever you find your podcast. Go to vcin.com for more information. Okay, I want to get to the wide receivers. We've got plenty to do. Got a ton of time mm -hmm. today on a Sunday morning. An easy Sunday morning to stretch out a little bit. Yeah, uh, a little bit. We'd be, be remiss. I mean, the, the, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. I just quickly Well, no, wanted I was just saying – uh, the, the, this N, this NFL, uh, you know, this we where we are with the the NFL. I mean, the NBA today is fascinating, right? There's so, I mean, I was looking at it this morning, and it's so it's so up and down on to me where this is all going to play out. But you know, we can certainly well, talk we about. Well, we got the fi final day. Yeah, final day of the NBA regular season. I've got all the scenarios ready to go. I'll get to that in just a second. Remissive if we didn't mention, kind of crazy, you know, during the show. Um, Mm, the, yeah. the news of Dwayne Haskins, the obvious outpouring of condolences all throughout the day yesterday. The NFL community, his loved ones continue to mourn. Uh, yesterday, Florida 
early in the morning, struck by a truck. Dwayne Haskins, 24 years old, struck and killed. Big Ben with a lengthy statement. Kevin O'Connell, a new coach. Remember, he coached him down in Washington. The new Minnesota head coach, Urban Meyer, with a statement. I, I, we don't have to go too into it because I'm not so sure the details really matter. I know when something like this happens, people want to get details. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is somebody lost their life, life tragically yeah. too soon here. Yeah, tragically way too soon. And, and certainly reading the outpouring of emotions that have come from Pittsburgh players and the Pittsburgh organization, it, you know, Haskins has kind of endeared, him, endeared himself in there. And he was obviously uh, changing his life and really becoming uh, a hard worker and becoming the person that I think he was growing up to be. And it's just tragic that unfortunately he loses his life at such an early age. And it, it's shocking. I mean, it's just shocking. And you never want to hear about this as a father. These are the, the, the worst news you could possibly ever hear. Yeah. So we just wanted to mention that it really was, you know, I was texting Michael after the show yesterday. I had to interrupt you to, to break the news. And I could tell when I told you, you were just like, it took you a little bit to conceptualize what I was even saying, because when you think about a 24 year old losing their lives, it really just doesn't yeah. add up. So, no, we were just no, it doesn't. And I, I think when you, you know, as a father and, you know, you have kids and grandkids, you know, you're always protective of of that. You know, I mean, you 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 always are concerned. It's the worst nightmare. And so that 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 certainly is 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 striking. And, and, and I my heart to the Haskin family, his wife. It's it's just just very, very hard to understand. Can't even imagine it now as we transition, which we need to do here. So it's funny because when you and I were discussing Kyler Murray, we kind of he he kind of came up with the blueprint for the petulant new age checklist <laughs> where when yeah. you want to get what you want in life these days, you start going down the checklist. And the first thing you do is you scrub social media of the team you play for and your acquaintances. And that is what Debo Samuel has done. Here are the wide receivers. And we talk wide receivers because the market's been reset. Christian Kirk getting cashed down in Jacksonville. Wow. Here are the rookies or the dudes entering their final year of their rookie deals. DK, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, and of course, Debo Samuel. The question for you from a front office perspective is how does San Francisco handle Debo? 77 passes for over 1400 yards and six touchdowns. But how about the rushes? 59 rushing attempts, 365 and eight touchdowns. Debo is in a class of his own, Michael Lombardi. No doubt. And, and what he is, what I call a weapon, right? So he's a weapon. You know, he doesn't need to get the ball because the, you know, where the coverage is or where it relates, he can play inside receiver. He can play outside receiver. And now he's this dynamic running back. So he's a weapon. So he has even more value than just a typical receiver, which we're seeing that market explode. So I can't imagine the 49ers are going to sit there and say, well, we can find another player. I mean, look, the, the one value that they have with Trey Lance is he's under a rookie contract for the next four, three years after the season. Now this can allow you to afford the high priced players in terms of your linebackers, in terms of all the Fred Warner you've signed, in terms of Bosa, you know, it can allow you to do that. You don't have to do what they did with DeForest Buckner and send him away because you can't really afford to have this many guys. So this is the time to sign them, and I suspect that they will. But I think a lot of this is being tied up because of Garoppolo, because of Garoppolo's, you know, contract and him, him keeping their salary cap where it is. You know, in terms of they can't, they haven't moved him, and so eventually, I would think that they would say to the the agent that represents them. I mean, they they right now are one of the lowest teams in terms of cap room currently, but that's because they're you know Jimmy Garoppolo is counting oh twenty six million dollars on their cap. They'll transition that into into Debo Samuel. To me, that's what they're going to do. What have you heard about Jimmy G? You know, the problem. Everything I hear about Jimmy G is related to his shoulder. Nobody's, yeah, everybody surgery. doesn't, you know, is he healthy? Can he stay healthy? You know, I mean, that, that's the concern. And so, you know, I mean, look, the, the one thing I think if you're the 49ers, right, you have Debo Samuel, he's entering this season, he's in his last year, he's due to make $3.9 million. Uh, and so you're saying, okay, they'll play this year, we'll definitely franchise them next year. Now we have two years, and that gives us time to sort through the the situation at, at with Jimmy Garoppolo. They don't really need a lot of money to sign their rookies because they don't have a first-round pick. So, But they're going to have to do something. 
they're going to have to do something. And if they want to get something in this draft, they got to get somebody to want to will, will take it on them. If they're trading for next year in 2023, you know, the value of that goes way down. I mean, if you trade a three in 2023, you don't know really what you're getting there. Certainly, we saw that with uh, with the Devontae Parker deal. They traded a, a three in 2023, but we know the Patriots have a compensatory pick, which because of the J.C. Jackson deal. So I think there's a lot of moving parts here. But the biggest part to move is the shoulder injury of Garoppolo, and how does that affect his status? You want to take a shot at the 49ers win total? I've got it here. For a nine and a half. Nine and a half. You know what? I got a book right here showing 10 and minus 130 to the over. So you got to pay a little juice on the over at 10. That is a lofty number. It's a big number. Yeah, because I don't know how you could, I don't know how you could set it at 10 based on where they are at quarterback. You're really you're dealing. Where is Lance? Is he good? Do we know he's good? Your guess we know is the good rhetoric as ours. that says he's good. Right. I mean, I don't think there's a there's a sense of it that he's great. I talk to people that watch practice. It's not this what they say in terms of how they've watched him practice based on what the media says are two entirely different things. You think they're at different practices. That remains to be seen. He's a young player. He's going to struggle at practice. We understand that. How he plays during the year, that remains to be seen. We'll see. You know, it's interesting with the wide receiver market as well. So Tyreek's going to get with the extension an average of 30 mil per your buddy Devontae Adams here in town is going to get 28. Stephon Diggs' new contract is going to make him 26 per. So these receivers are getting paid, Michael. I mean, think about Cooper yeah, Cup, and, and who's that, making 15 mil. That's it. I mean, they get the ball in the end zone. I mean, I would suspect they're going to redo Cooper. I mean, he, you know, just to get some more cap room, typically what they're going to do. But look, let's face it. Godwin just got 20 million, and he's coming off an ACL. I mean, he's coming off an ACL, and, and the Browns didn't even lower. They didn't even lower Amari Cooper's number. They kept him at the same number. So, you know, I mean, look, Ty Tyreek Hill has got, you know, he's got total guarantees of $72 million. The average per year when you, when you basically break down the contract, ultimately it's really about the guarantees because in 2026, his base salary goes up to $43 million. None of that's guaranteed, right? And that's how the average per year becomes so high, which to me, teams aren't looking at it that way. Draft you odds. quote 30, oh, it, sorry, it's Mike. just dumb. Draft odds coming up next. Apologies. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, First Bet Express Bet wants you to get in on all the horse racing action. Sign up today with the promo code Vegas1000. Receive $10 instantly and up to $1,000 bonus. Visit vcin.com slash horses for details. Use that bonus code Vegas1000. It's vcin.com slash horses for details. As we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line, I'm Patrick Maher. He, of course, is Michael Lombardi. We were talking wide receivers, Michael Lombardi. Yeah, and I wanted to make a point. Please. We had to go to break. And I, I think what we have to, you know, we use the number Tyreek Hill get $30 million per year. It's not. Tyreek Hill, last year of his contract, it goes from $21 million up to $43.9 million. So that, all that number was, was just a, just a way for the agent to kind of say, hey, I got 30. Nobody's looking at this deal. They're going to value this deal as a four-year deal with the guarantees that he got, which on an average is based on that. And it's going to come right in around $20 million. What about, I think what about Devontae? De De Devontae's deal is, is similar. Devontae's deal, I think, is just a tad over. It's just a tad over. His actually, when you look at it on the first four years of the deal, you know, I think his is $22 million. It's a little bit over. You know, his last season, he's got five years, and he goes from – Three million because he got a huge bonus. Six million, sixteen. Then he shoots up to thirty-five and thirty-five. So most of these teams, what they really do is they value three years of the contract, and then the rest of it is kind of like phony years that don't really affect the number. Now I think obviously in twenty twenty-five, when Devontae Adams is thirty-three years old, is he still going to be worth thirty-five million in base salary? We shall see. But to me, I think we throw these numbers around like they're, oh, he's $30 million a year. No, he's not. It's thing, contracts are valued over three years. Typically, that's how they are. 
Okay, so the rookies coming out this year, how would you characterize this rookie class? I mean, you got Drake London, who's the big wide receiver from USC. Then you've got the two smaller but super athletic receivers, obviously from Ohio State and Wilson and Olave. Jamison Williams, uh, Jamison Williams, who is, you know, coming off the ACL. But I mean, if he was healthy, Michael, I, I, I'd have a hard time passing up on him. Yeah. You know, it's, it's I would think Jamison would, would have been. I mean, I think a lot of it's going to come down to where I mean, we were watching him on Twitter or, or Instagram somewhere. He was running routes and you could see him do that. I, I think the other guy you've got to consider is this Traylon Burks kid from Arkansas. I mean, he was sensational all through the season. He's a big receiver. He's 6'2". He's got great length. He's got 225 pounds, you know, and he was really a factor in terms of their offense last year, what he was able to accomplish and what he did. He was immensely talented. That's the one thing about the receiver group. You know, there's so many good guys in this, and I think you've got to be really careful at, at saying, okay, if I take one in the first round, where am I getting one? Could I get the same player, a similar player in the third round? You know, like Jaheen Dotson from Penn State is a fabulous player, fabulous player. You know, would you be better off taking Drake London in the first or would you be better off taking Dotson in the second if he goes to the second? You know, I think those are the kind of questions you have to ask and answer. But, I mean, the, all of these guys, because of the way we're playing offensive football in college, they certainly can make a difference. Okay, here are the odds, and they'll differ a little bit depending on what book you look at, but I'm just looking at a book here in town. Garrett Wilson and Drake London are essentially your favorites to go be the first wide receiver taken. So Garrett Wilson, Drake London, uh, Jamison Williams, 5-1 to one, uh, to be the first wide receiver taken. You just mentioned Traylon Burks. He's 10-1. to one. Alave's 15-1, to one, and Dotson is 50-1. to one. So we start to kind of dip a little bit after Olave. Um, the wide receiver thirsty teams, I'll put it that way, Washington seemingly is going to be looking for a wide receiver. They're picking 11. Um, is there any other team that just jumps out at you early in the draft that would be wide receiver ready right now and needy? Well, you know, I think when you break down these teams, I think, you know, when you look at when you look at Washington, you say, OK, you know, the. Could they use one? Yeah, sure, they could definitely use one, and I think there's no doubt. Could the Jets? I think the Jets easily could use one. They're in the market. I mean, they've made it abundantly clear that they're going to try to get one, and they're looking all over. I mean, Seattle now with all their picks, are they going to trade Metcalf and then replace them with one? I, I think to me that, that, that remains to be seen. But I think the Jets specifically where they are sitting, I think they're the easy target for perhaps maybe. And then, of course, Atlanta. I mean, everybody has Atlanta taking a, a quarterback. But, I mean, there may not be a quarterback for them. And they don't have any skill. I know they took pits. But once, you know, with Ridley gone, Julio not there, I mean, they're really struggling on the outside. So I would think those two teams would jump out to me as receiver heavy. Do you, how would you overall? Would you grade it? Would you put it as a B? Would you put it as a B plus A minus as far as the wide receiver group here coming into the draft? I, I, I would say you know this is probably good, where a lot right? of talent. Is. It's a pretty good group. There's no denying it. I mean, you can get, and I think what makes it a good group is you can get a little bit of everything, right? You can get size. You know, you can get. You, you know, I always break receivers down into into a, like a basketball team, and and if you build a draft board, you should build a draft board. There is just not a wide receiver position. There are small forwards, power forwards, and then there's the off guard, and then there's the point guard. Like Elijah Moore last year was a point guard, and those are the West Welkers. Not that they're short, but they're the guys that play inside. Hunter Renfro's a point guard. You know, whereas Waller's a power forward. Devontae Adams is a small forward, could go to power forward. So I think you want to break them into different categories based on how their skill set translates. Like, Jawan Dotson, to me, is more of a small forward, mm. whereas Drake London's more of a power forward. He's more of a size mismatch receiver. I think, can he, and I think the question you have to answer, can he play on the outside? I think what most people don't realize, it's challenging to win on the outside in the National Football League. You've got to be really good. You've got to have great quickness, and you've got to be very good at the top of the route, which sometimes these guys who don't play a lot of man coverage with bump and run are not very good at the top of the route. So I think there is a diversity of positional value, whereas when you see Jamison Williams, he's truly a small forward that probably could play some point, could play some – he can move around because of his skill set, and he's got that vertical outside threat that scares the hell out of you. Michael, you mentioned the Jets, who are slotted to pick four here. 
Uh, do you smoke fire type of thing with them where they've been rumored to be involved with potential trades, DK and others? Do you think there's some validity to those rumors? I do, and here's why I think so. Because if, if you're Joe Douglas, what you don't want to do is become way too young. They got Corey Davis. They got Elijah Moore. They got two, you know, Davis is really, they paid him like a number one, but he's not. But you need somebody with some experience so your offense can get generating moving quicker. quicker. You know, you, you don't want to be too young and too old at the same time. And so if you could slide in a player like DK Metcalf, who's entering his fourth year, and you got him for five more years to go along with a young quarterback. Now you're talking. Now you've got the right rhythm of your team in terms of age. And I think that's really important. And so not that you don't want to become too young. I'm sure if you could take a Garrett Wilson or if you took Burks, you, you know. But you're talking about a lot of guys have to grow up together. It's a little bit like what happens. in We see this in basketball in the NBA. You know, I mean, Oklahoma a City has a lot of talented young players. They're just too young, right? Mm-hmm. They're just too young. They all don't know how to play together. They don't understand the game. There needs to be some veteran leadership in terms of this, and I think that's what Douglas would be looking at. That's why I think he was so interested in making a trade, you know, for Tyreek Hill. Plus, he tilts the field, let's be honest. Oh, yeah, the cheetah. He is – I'm still I'm still wondering how that's going to work out with him, obviously, and Tua. He's got a ton yeah. of – your boy Tua's got a ton of weapons, Michael. There's going to be no excuses. It's going to be interesting how teams defend him, too, because they know he's going to want to throw the ball short, you know, and they know they got Hill. Everybody thinks they traded for Hill to be the vertical outside receiver. But what people often mistake about Hill is he's great with the ball in his hands. His yards after the catch is sensational. He's almost impossible to tackle because he combines the rare quality of having rare vertical speed with rare quickness. Not a lot of guys have that. Not a lot of guys have that quickness that can separate. So, you know, getting him the ball on a five-yard crossing, he could take it to the house. Absolutely. This is random. We're going to get to Will. We've got plenty to do today. This is so random. But if Davis Mills, let me ask you this. A friend texted me this. If Davis Mills was in this year's draft as opposed to last year's draft, would he be the first quarterback off the board? And the reason I, I ask you he, is because it puts in perspective how this draft sets up this year as far as I the I think class. he would be. I think that's a great question. I think he would be. And if you look at Davis Mills, the only reason he was pushed down, five-star player coming out of Atlanta, went to Stanford, was really good, but the injuries affected him, and that pushed him down because he didn't have a lot of service. But in terms of just pure playing the position with talent and size, yes, he would be. That's the point. That's he's a third rounder, Michael. Third rounder last That's year. That's the point. That's the point. Derek Carr is a second rounder. Garoppolo is a second rounder. These guys are not better than those two players, and yet they went in the second. You're manufacturing quarterbacks in the first round, and it helps you if you're a mock draft expert. It doesn't help you if you're a general manager because if you turn that card in and you're the Carolina Panthers, you basically are wasting that. That, that player is not helping you next year. It's, you've drafted him for the next coach. I don't think we call that value where you could have gotten the dude in the third round last year. And now you're going to try to force a Malik Willis top five this year. That is not value. right. I mean, I think to me, when you look at it, I think if you're if you're really building the team correctly, you build it like if, if you're the Carolina Panthers, I, I think you've got to you, you got to get a left tackle and you've got to make the decision. Do you take cross who everybody loves? you know, as a player, or do you take, do you take the kid from NC state? I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to. Tremendous information, by the way, Drake London and Garrett Wilson, just to kind of circle back. Wilson's a slight favorite at plus 110 at BetMGM. London plus 140 to be the first wide receiver off the board. Will Hill is next here on the Lombardi line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast 
NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, Augusta National still going down the Masters. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on the tournament. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any golfer to win if the golfer makes a birdie during a tournament. You're going to win 200 bucks paid for in free bets, regardless of your bet's outcome. So you just use that bonus code VSIN200, VSIN200, to make your first bet. Enjoy golf like never before. Again, it's VSIN200 over at BetMGM. It's for first-time bettors, paid for in free bets. 1-800-GAMBLER if you do have an issue, and you got to be 21 years or older. Okay, we welcome you back here on a Sunday, an easy Sunday, as uh, Scotty Scheffler and Cam Smith, it looks like, Michael, those two are kind of going to pair mm-hmm. up together, and that's going to be a great duel, as right now you've got Scotty Scheffler right around minus 240 to win it, and then coming back the other way, plus 200 on Cam Smith. So we'll get more into the Masters as the day unfolds. In fact, they're not going to tee off until, what, 240 your time, so you got plenty of yeah. time there in Jersey uh, to wait on that final pairing. We welcome in our buddy, of course, Will Hill. You can find the podcast, beeson.com slash podcast, New York City cast. And we say hi to Will and good morning. How you doing, Will? What's going on, guys? Uh, exciting day. A lot of uh, a lot of events here in the NBA where you got to keep track of who's playing, who's not, what it means to what team. So it's uh, it should be fun. So I was, for, you, this is for you, Michael. I was up at 3.30 yeah. this morning with a, oh. two sheets of what potentially could happen today in the NBA. Let's just put it this way. If Philly beats Detroit today and Boston loses to the Grizzlies, you will, yes, you and your 76ers will jump up the three, which is advantageous because the Raptors have locked up the five, Michael. There's no doubt, and, and, but that does is does the question I have for this esteem esteem group is will Memphis try to play yes. against Boston? Here's why: they won yesterday, okay. they win today, they break their all-time season winning record as Ooh. far as a franchise. So, and this has been a very it's a young it's the second youngest team in the NBA. Will if they win today, they break the remember the Connolly and Pau in the Gasol groups. They break that group's franchise record for wins in a season. Yeah, grit wow. and grind, and it, it probably means something to them. You know, a Memphis team that never won a title, never been to a final, something like that probably means something to them. So that's a that's a good angle by you. That's a good job. Uh, and you mentioned Philly. Philly can move up to the three. They could be the three or the four. They can't be the two. But Milwaukee can be the two or the three. They can't be the four, but it looks like Milwaukee's going to arrest everyone, which I find a little interesting. 
because you know you you do avoid Brooklyn in the first round. If you move down to the three, you play Chicago, which is a better matchup. But you're pretty much punting on home court in the second round. And the way the Nets have played, I don't know. Are you that afraid of the Nets? They're kind of limping to the finish great line question. here. That is yeah, a great question. Would I you think, rather play Toronto well, or the this. Nets? I, I think this. I think the NBA players could care less about home court. I, I don't think it matters anymore. I think it matters to us. We talk about it. But I don't think, it, I don't think they care. I think they care about who they play. Now, that Boston line, Patrick, that line opened up at Boston as a two-and-a-half-point fa- favorite. And it shot up to five and a half. Yep, big move there. For I'm taking a look. I'm reloading the numbers right now. But that's the question I'd ask both of you right now. We'll, we'll start with you and get to Michael on this. If you are Philly and Boston, would you prefer play Toronto, who is just really, really impressive right now, or the Nets, who can't defend? I'd still rather play Toronto. Now, I think it's a tough matchup for Philly because, you know, Toronto's going to run, and Philly's bad in transition. Uh, you know, Toronto's got a lot of six, eight, six, nine guys. They can throw it hard and they've got a lot of athleticism. They can switch. And man, if you switch against Harden, it's not easy because he just can't get by people anymore. He can't finish anymore. That being said, uh, Kevin Durant plays on the nets. He doesn't play <laughs> on the Raptors and the Raptors still, you know, they've got issues shooting. So both of them would be tough series. I just, I want no part of Durant. So I would still lean towards playing the Raptors, but look, the Raptors, that's not an easy series by any stretch. I'm all over playing the Raptors. Uh, I, you don't want to play Kevin Durant. I mean, especially the way the, the Nets ran the 76ers really out of the gym the last time they played them. Their transition defense really showed up, particularly the way the Nets ran at them. And so I would take my chances with the Raptors. I think either one of those options aren't good for Philadelphia. I think the only option that is good for Philly is to play the Bulls. And they're going to need some cooperation from the Celtics today. Yeah, I back to your point about Boston, that number jumping to five and a half off the two and a half opener. It looks like, I mean, there's really no big misses for Memphis. That's a surprising line movement there as far as Boston jumping up to five and a half, Will. Yeah, you got to wonder if, you know, if somebody knows something there because that looks too good to be true. I mean, you're getting five and a half at home. I, I would certainly lean towards the Grizzlies uh, unless I'm missing something. I mean, Morant came back. Yesterday, so maybe they don't play him on a second night of a back to back. He's expected to play. Bain's wow, there, Brooks yeah. is there, Jackson's there, Adams there. I mean, I don't see any big misses as of 7:50 Western time, so Pacific time. Uh, it, it's a confounding movement as far as the line jumping from two and a half to five and a half. Unless you, there's a concern, they it's... play these guys for a half and then sit people. You know, they do that in the NFL. Like this is this kind of has the week 17, week 18 feel of the NFL, where you don't know, you know, who's going to play and how long. Maybe they play these guys for half and sit them, but. Yeah, you'd figure Grizzlies plus five and a half is a play if they're all in. Yeah, and, and if Milwaukee loses and Boston wins, Milwaukee's still the two seed because, you know, Milwaukee is 51. They'll be 51 and 31. Boston will be 51 and 31, and they'll have the tiebreaker in that. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, if I'm Philly and you're playing at seven and Boston's playing at their, their, their playing seven central time, you know, you, this will be interesting to see how the doctor works all this out. This ought to be really, it will be in the lab. But if I'm Philly, I'd rather be three and play six than four and play five. So you mentioned, and the NBA did a good job of lining up the times where teams won't know as far as their seating. You know, they've matched up the times. So you, I think you, you put that well. Let's get to your 76ers who... Right now, you got a number on that one, Michael, because my computer's 12. Is it 12? Yeah. Okay. Might, the, might even be 12 and a half. They're hosting the Pistons. It's, there's some play at Circa, it's 12 and a half. At DraftKings in New Jersey here, we're 12 and a half. So, you know, look, I mean, they struggled to beat the Pistons last time they played them. And, you know, they, they played at 12. They played yesterday, and, and they played substantial minutes to, to kind of beat Indiana. And it was a closer game than the score indicated. I mean, Rick, how about, how about my man? How about my man Rick Carlisle calling timeouts with 20 seconds to go to freeze the field? I mean, really, like, what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing? And can't we get the game over? I wanted to watch the Masters. Can't we just get the game over? And, uh, and of course, they didn't do that. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, will Philly approach us? Does Philly want to win? I mean, I think if you're Philly, you want to win this and potentially get the third seed. So are you going to play your guys? The last time you played Detroit with your guys, you couldn't beat them. They beat the Pacers yesterday. They didn't cover 133-120. Ended up closing 14. Will, do you have a lean today with the Pistons in town there in Philly? Yeah, watching Philly defend, I wouldn't like 12 and a half with them against anybody. Like I mentioned, they're anybody. slow. They can't really shoot. 
Uh, you know, the Pistons have at least tried hard this last month. I know they got buried by Milwaukee uh, the other night, but to me, it would be Pistons or nothing here. I just don't see, you know, Philly. They're just, they don't defend well enough to be laying 12 and a half to anyone. It's pretty much that simple. I, I really worry about them in the playoffs too. They look really slow. Uh, you know, the roster isn't great. They're only five or six deep and boy, I don't know how you're going to give Harden $250 million. That's just, I, I, look, that, good, God bless you. Good luck with that. Yeah, I mean, look, Philly's defense, I couldn't agree more. I mean, their spread defense ranks 20th in the league. They're not very good at all. And and in the last 10 games, they have not played well at all defensively. So they're 16th overall and giving up 116 points. But yesterday, if you watch that game, I mean, they couldn't. They could not get control of the game. They were in the lead, but they never got control of the game. Their defense is pathetic. I mean, it's truly pathetic, and they're not going to beat anybody with that defense. The Nets. They win today. They host the seven-eight matchup, so it behooves them. And they've got Indiana in town. Will off. They're on the second half of back-to-back. Indiana has absolutely nothing to play for, and it shows in the number. Nets open fifteen. Have been bet up to sixteen and a half. Yeah, similar with Philly. I just can't lay 16 and a half with this team. And we saw them as big favorites the other night against the Rockets, 17 and a half. They didn't cover. Uh, they played the Pistons a week or so ago, 15 point favorites or so didn't cover. They just, they don't defend well either. They are so small. When you put out lineups with Kyrie and Curry and then, you know, Mills or Dragic, you're basically playing, you know, three point guard size guys in one lineup. Now they'll win this game. You know, maybe they win it by 20 or 30 because the Pacers don't care. But to me, it's Pacers or nothing. And the Nets are another team where I don't know. I just don't see them as a title contender. They're just so small and so bad on defense. So uh, I would lean towards the Pacers here. And, uh, you know, you would think the Nets win and, and both seven, eight games are on Tuesday here, Michael. So this is a, a scheduling quirk. You know how I like the schedules. Both seven, eight games are on Tuesday. Both nine, 10 games are on Wednesday. I mean, it's amazing. There's nothing that this man can't do, Patrick. I mean, he can coach with the best of them. He can schedule TV. I mean, it's just remarkable. The sports, you know, what's your golf pick? I mean, let's, let's, let's go into golf. Why not see what you got there? I'm going to root for chef. I got him even money yesterday. So I'm going to, I'm going to root. Of course you did. He hangs on. I I think he's all right. I mean, I think Butch Harmon's calling you for advice. I think there's no doubt. I think that's pretty. You got to get a nickname, nickname for Will that encompasses everything. He's the everything. polymath of betting. He's the polymath of betting. Polymath he, he is can good. Coach, he can he can do anything. I mean, there's no sport that he can't take the headset over and control it. And in television too, he put Rune Arledge in the back seat. Would you like to confirm the rumors that Michael's spreading about you, Will Hill? <laughs> I was going through our text trying to see what warranted this rant the other day. I couldn't really find it, but my, my friends and family did appreciate it. They all thought it was hilarious. New so York I, I, City yeah. cast, and it's been a great start for the Yankees. It will at least exciting. Thank you, Will. Appreciate it. Have a good Thanks, Sunday. Will. Appreciate right, you. See you guys. We're back here on the Lombardi line. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.